0: More post-Brexit niggles on the programme this week. Well, just one. I hope your tractor doesn't break down and need a part.
1: The issue that's just starting to raise its head is the lead time and the difficulty of getting spare parts from the continent.
0: And we'll hear from Anglian and Water about their plans for Covenham Reservoir.
1: So it's kind of
2: designated locally has been really important for wildlife
0: and the ladies in pigs are doing something different this week which you can take part in sounds exciting details a little later i'm steve orchard good morning the week in agriculture this is the farming program with Steve Orchard. DEFRA Farming Minister Victoria Prentice chaired what was described as a very constructive roundtable event last week, attended by senior DEFRA officials and representatives from the National Pig Association, processors, retailers, the AHDB and the devolved administrations. The NPA welcomed retailers and DEFRA's support in addressing the perfect storm of events that have left the pig sector in its most critical state for decades, but has warned there's still much to do to avert a crisis. Monday sees the launch of the fourth annual Mind Your Head campaign by Yellow Wellies, the Farm Safety Foundation, to raise awareness of something many farmers are dealing with, yet many others still feel uncomfortable opening up and talking about their mental health. Here's Stephanie Barclay from the Farm Safety Foundation. What's the aim of the campaign, Stephanie?
3: We're hoping that we're going to bring together a group of people that are able to explain what's happening in the industry you know and really it's aimed primarily for anybody living and working in agriculture really in the industry we're looking to bring together people who are picking up the pieces and helping to understand how suicide does affect people what the bereavement process is and how their support is there for them also the way people can actually help their, themselves and look out for that and how businesses are doing that as well we're also looking at little organisations and smaller charities like uh, a charity in the, in the Shetlands that do have a very isolated community. But how are they managing to stay in contact with them? And then really we want to push the new RABI online uh, big farming survey, which is launching in January, because that is looking to get under the skin of farmers what their attitudes are to their health to their well-being to their farm businesses so that we know how we can provide help for them going forward
0: thanks for that stephanie where can we find out more information about yellow wellies mind your head week then
3: www.yellowwellies.org or follow us on facebook twitter and instagram and we're at yellow wellies uk
0: stephanie barkley from yellow wellies now what do you do when your tractor breaks down Contact whoever does your servicing, they come along, take a look, and it needs a part. Not a problem in the past, they get the part, and in a day or two you're back on the field. Not so post-Brexit. John Smith from Louth Tractors, are you starting to see problems already?
1: Uh, Very much so, Steve. The issue that's just starting to raise its head is lead time and the difficulty of getting spare parts from the continent. They're either not available at all, or the overnight delivery that we've been used to now for years seems to be breaking down. Um, all we ever hear about is, uh, is that they're stuck on a border somewhere.
0: I was speaking to the National Pig Association last week, and from a, the other way round, they were having enormous problems with exports and paperwork, and they said one lorry got to the port and they needed 78 pages of paperwork before they would allow the, the, the lorry to uh, move on its way. Is, is it the bureaucracy with uh, parts from from your side of things that's causing the problem?
1: I think it's some and some. Um, I think uh, the advice we're getting is, oh, you've had all these years to sort your paperwork out. The difficulty there is no one knew what basis to sort their paperwork out until the end of last year, and so documents that didn't exist now need to exist. There's a sort of general distrust between it goes both ways. I don't think it's all the Continentals. I think we're just as bad everything's taking time but the thing that's sort of also in their cost you know the couriers and the hauliers and companies I'll give you an example a combine left here on a lorry um, only last week to go somewhere South France and normally it would go to the tunnel and uh, or, or to the ferry get on expect half a day doing the whatever the other side he was going to leave on Sunday and didn't expect to leave Calais till Wednesday, when he booked his uh, escort car. So, a half a day, one day, it's well, he's gone out to four days. But on top of that, there's um, there are charges for everything under the sun, and everything seems to be, he was saying, the lorry driver was telling me that it was 80 euros for this, 80 euros for that, and 80 euros. And when he comes back the other way, it's 80 pounds for this, and 80 pounds for that. Mm.
0: Do you think it's teething troubles, or is it more than that?
1: I really hope so, but it does appear to have a bit more depth than that, actually, Steve. But and you know, the optimist, I hope it is teething troubles and it will all calm down.
0: It will be a worry for farmers, I'm sure, listening to this, thinking, well, if something breaks down, am I going to be having problems if I can't get the parts?
1: Yeah, definitely. So all I can say is, and this is virtually impossible, but I'm going to say it anyway, is think ahead if you can. Be patient with your dealer, because they'll, as ever, be trying their very best. An awful lot of this is out of their control. But... um particularly at this time of years, anything you think you need or anything you think needs servicing or you might need to get your hands on, do it. Otherwise, just be patient with the, with the dealer network. And I think that goes for all brands because the British manufactured stuff relies on components from the continent. So the same thing's going to happen to everybody. Mm,
0: plan ahead if you possibly can, but be patient if you can't.
1: Yeah that's the message most definitely
0: John always good to talk to you it's John Smith of Louth Tractors
1: Great keep up the good work Steve thank you
0: To Agronomy with Sean Sparling now Morning Sean Yes, good morning
4: to you, Steve. Well, this week, I have been mostly looking at snow, like the rest of you. I've been scraping my way down to find my crops, finding those low levels of septoria and yellow rust. Clearly, everything's still in the same place as it was just before the snow came, so very little change on last week. And to sum up the state of play out there in the in the field today, the wheat looks like barley, the rape looks like beans, and the oaks look like rye. In fact, everything looks like everything else, <laughs> just white. So, as I say, very little to report agronomically, other than to say that everybody crops look just as well as their neighbours do when they're buried under two inches of snow. So at least that over the hedge envy has been on the back burner for a day or two. There's a fair bit of discussion going on out there on social media and in other places, largely being driven by the Environment Agency about possible restrictions to applications of organic manures in the autumn against certain crops, ahead of certain crops. And that one's going to rumble on, I'm absolutely sure of that. And with the conditions such as they are, as I keep saying, getting up to date with your paperwork and your records and planning for what the season might bring is probably the best thing that you can do at the moment from every single angle you certainly can't get on the land to do an awful lot and you would be absolutely as i said last week wasting your time and money to think about putting nitrogen onto waterlogged fields in the conditions such as they are and if it was crackers to do it last week it's even more crackers this week because the soil temperatures are lower than they were at 0.8 to 1.2 degrees c so as i said last week as well january february 2019 remember Twenty nineteen was the first season we'd had Sugar Beet without Neonics on the on the seed it was a cold January and February in 19 but actually it, it's, it wasn't quite as cold as the January and February that we're in the middle of now and that said I think it is now beginning to look more and more likely to me that we won't get the green light to apply that derogation for the use of neonicotinoid seed treatments on the sugar beet seed and before anybody starts shouting at the radio I really don't think for one second that me saying that out loud is going to influence that decision one little bit in fact I go so far as to say that the people who blame other people for wishing it would rain just before it does or who blame people who say they wished it would dry up just before a drought hit. These are the same people who you used to see on a Saturday night at pub chucking out time shouting at the lamppost. So um, it does, of course, all depend on aphid behaviour and virus forecasting as a result of the weather so far, and also over the next two or three weeks to come. But in terms of 2021 virus levels in sugar beet, this cold spell does potentially bode well for growers in terms of the likely aphid activity. in In all crops, actually, because Back in 2019, aphid and virus levels were minimal because of that cold, frosty winter. And with 2021 starting off colder than 2019 did in that same period, the likelihood of us seeing the unprecedented and catastrophic levels of virus in sugar beet, even if we don't have neonic seed, have been reduced considerably. Um, and it's reducing by the day, particularly if it's days as cold as it has been this week. So there is a long way to get. Uh, to go yet, but we'll see what happens with that one. Unfortunately, the same positive angle can't be pointed at how wet we're starting in 2021 in comparison to 2019. It's now the wettest combined January February start that I've recorded since 2009, 12 years ago. In fact, if you look back at the rainfall over the last few years, 2018 January and February gave 84 mil, 2019 January and February gave 34 mil, very dry start, 2020 last year January February 140. 49 mm of rain. Over 110mm of that came in the February. 12 years ago, 2009, January and February rainfall totaled 156.2mm. For January and February so far this year, I've already recorded 1574 and we're still only halfway through February. So I think it's fair to say the land seems to stand as wet now as it's been all winter. But then it is February and unlike last year, we're not faced with those unprecedented high levels of spring drilling to do because we managed to get virtually all of the planned winter cereals in the ground last autumn as required. And of course, we also haven't lost anything like the level of oilseed rape from cabbage stem flea beetle, rape winter stem weevil, etc. that we saw last year either. So once again, as we slosh and slither our way through February, we're praying for a little bit more luck than usual in so much as getting some benevolent weather in March and April to allow us to get these spring crops in. But typically, of those of us involved in farming, we don't want the hot, dry prolonged spring that we saw last year because that stopped the seed germinating and it stopped them emerging safely and of course it set the ground like concrete so we couldn't get decent seedbed. We want it to be wet but not too wet, we want it to be dry but not too dry and we want it to be hot but not too hot. That, that's not too much to ask. It must be fantastic to have a job where it really doesn't matter one jot whether it pours with rain or dries to a baking drought but then that's our lot and in farming we're at the mercy of the elements so we've just got to suck it up and take whatever we're given there are bigger things to concern ourselves with than the weather and what that may or may not do particularly at this difficult time so as far as agronomy that's it from me but just before I go there is somebody else I'd like to mention and that's my very very good friend Peter Elkington who sadly lost his fight against cancer on Monday of last week now for those of you who didn't know Peter but who are listening to this wondering why that name sounds so familiar it's because. Peter was Sally Elkington's husband and Sally Elkington of course was at the helm of the Lynx FM farming programme for many many years until she retired a few years ago Peter, or Ace as he was known to his friends and family was a highly respected Lincolnshire farmer he farmed with two of his brothers William and Richard around Brauntsville for many years he was one of my clients he was a larger than life character passionate about rugby, shooting and fishing and he was blessed with a wicked and absolutely bottomless sense of humour which was obvious from the first minute I met him and he was a fiercely loyal and dedicated friend to everybody who had the good fortune to get to know him. I've spent many many happy hours in Peter's company. We laughed until we cried and it's hard to believe that he's gone and I tell you now the world is a far poorer place today without Peter in it than it was last Monday and as things are also today although the thought of losing him brings a lot of sadness for now His memory, just like the rest of his life, will bring on the smiles before too much longer. So I'm sure I speak for all of our listeners and the friends of the Farming Programme when I say that we're sending as much love as we can muster, in particular to you, Sally, Sophie, Charlotte, Ollie, Matt, Henry, and of course the rest of the Elkington family at this awful time. Sleep well, Ace. You've earned that rest, mate. Let's see what the next seven days bring.
0: Thanks, Sean. Well said. I've got a Farming Year poster on the wall in my studio here that Peter gave to Sean Dunderdale when he took over the programme from Sally. Sean passed it on to me last year. It's turning into a bit of an heirloom, but at least Peter's memory will live on in one very small way on the farming programme. Anglian Water is best known for supplying and treating water, but they also manage water parks, probably the best known being Rutland Water. Now their reservoir at Covenham's in the running for getting local wildlife status. Mike Drew, Biodiversity Advisor for Anglian Water. Good morning. What does that status actually mean?
2: Good morning, Steve. Um, yeah, it's it's going through a review at the moment to be considered to be um, a local wildlife site. So it's kind of to be designated locally has been really important for wildlife so that's kind of down to the birds and the other kind of butterflies and insects that we have on on the site itself
0: okay what did you actually have to do to to achieve this status or what do you have to do to achieve this status
2: so we we got in touch by lincolnshire wildlife trust to see if they would uh see if it was possible to have a, a, a walk around the around the reservoir and assess it for its wildlife potential. We work with a local farmer that grazes the the banks of the reservoir so he has a a number of sheep on there that are kind of at a level that are good for nature conservation. With those kind of bits and with the management that we have on there that has made it kind of really good for for the wildlife.
0: What kind of species are we likely to see at Covenham?
2: It really can vary because it's such a, a big piece of water. At the moment you could go up there and you could have Probably around 300 tufted ducks sitting on the water. You can have like coots. You can get great crested grebes that come in good numbers. Um, and then if there's people out there that that like gulls, that you can get various gull species like uh, Mediterranean gull and um, little gull and things like that. So you really some, sometimes you never know what you're going to find when you get up there.
0: And not a million miles away from Covenham is Tetney. Tetney Blow Wells. Um, what is a blow well, first of all?
2: A blow well, um, it's, it's basically a, an, um, an artesian spring where water is coming up from underground under the pressure of the ground. And it goes through the clay surface so, and the pressure of the water is so great that it actually creates these great big freshwater pools of water. They're really unique to Lincolnshire, to North Lincolnshire.
0: And you've got some interesting species there, I gather, as well, one in particular. We
2: had um, an exciting discovery back in 2011 when we found a a species, of bat, called a narthuselis pipistrelle. But then in 2018, we discovered a male and female actually out on site using some of the bat boxes that we'd put up. And then in 2019, we found juvenile narthuselis, in those boxes
0: i mean bats are notoriously difficult things to to see and identify how are you doing this you you have things like cameras in the boxes and that kind of thing
2: we've worked with the consultancy company called ecological services in lincolnshire so basically what we have been doing is we've put up kind of bat detectors so boxes that record the the frequency of bats so like the sound that they emit that we don't hear and you can run it through a piece of software that kind of identifies the different bat species of what the pitch of the call is but then also that we've got these boxes upon the on some of the trees around the site we can actually go up into those boxes to have a check of them and bring those species about down and have a look and identify them and weigh them and sex them and then we put them back up into the box and let them carry out their, their business on site Fascinating. So, they're the, so they're the two kind of bits that we do, and also that uh, what we have done is some radio tracking work as well. So we put up like a harp net, which is kind of a like a net that basically you attract the bats to. You play a, their frequency call and it attracts them to that net. They're all unharmed, and then you kind of measure them and weigh them and things like that, get some information off those bats. And then you, sometimes you can put little receivers on the back of them and radio track them around the site and to see how they're, how they're interacting with the area.
0: Amazing. So it's all sonar. Is it sonar-related or is it radar? It's sonar. Excellent. Well, that's fascinating stuff. Thanks for joining us on the farming programme. That's Mike Drew, Biodiversity Advisor for Anglia Water. Thanks, Mike.
2: Cheers, Steve. Thank you very much.
0: Now, what could be better this time of the morning than a full English with bacon and sausages? But there's an awful lot more that can be done with pork than that. Ladies in pigs are trying something new later this week, a live cook-along. Here's Chairwoman Debbie Wilson. Morning, Debbie. When's this happening then?
5: We're actually doing our first live one on uh, Wednesday, the 17th, and then there'll be every Wednesday after that at 2 o'clock in the afternoon.
0: So they could cook-along live in the the afternoon if they're available, 2 o'clock on... Uh, wednesday but if not they can go onto your website can they and have a look
5: Uh, yes we'll be putting a hashtag on to replay it afterwards so that they can join it and it'll be uh, available on facebook for them to replay it at their convenience it's a brand new thing for us but you know in these times you've got to evolve and change how you deliver things these are things we'll be doing day in day out at live events
0: yeah you've got to try something new haven't you who's actually going to be doing the cooking
5: so it's uh, Fiona Lucas, who is one of our exec members um, and has been involved with Ladies in Big Pigs for a, a number of years. We're doing it in collaboration with her new project, which is um, Lincolnshire Cookery School.
0: What kind of level are we aiming at here? Are we talking beginners or doesn't it matter?
5: So it's about inspiring any level. So she'll explain how, how you know the best way to get the best crackling because British Park does do the best crackling. You can tell the difference when it's not you know, when it's not British.
0: British um, pork does the best everything. Come on. Well,
5: yeah, it does. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good stuff. Now, where can we get details of this, Debbie?
5: We'll be doing it on Facebook uh, live. On um, that's where the actual delivery will be on. Um, all the marketing will be on our website, which is lidsinpigs.co.uk. And we will also be having a social media campaign. Um, in the that run up to it with details of what you need ingredients wise so people can get prepped to have a go at it live or as i said they can they can use it afterwards and and do it out their
0: later debbie thanks so much for that good luck hope you get lots and lots of people watching and um, thanks for joining us on the farming program once again brilliant thanks a lot for your help time to see what the markets are doing here's open fields kit dickinson morning kit good morning steve Markets
6: tanked in the wake of the February USDA report, which, at first glance, was not very bearish. The problem was it lacked additional interest for the bulls. The catalyst for the collapse in the market was the increase in the global maize ending stocks when trade estimates called for a reduction, which sparked a wave of selling. No doubt accelerated by the algorithmic orders as anyone in the long position fled towards the exits. Within those numbers, the Chinese maize imports were raised by 6.5 million metric tonnes, as many had advocated it should happen following last week's record 7.5 million metric tonne weekly sales report from the US. The USDA only raised the US maize exports by 1.25 million, which was below the expectations on the basis that the non-China buying would source their maize requirements from other origins. Why they would do this when the US is still the cheapest source of supply is not clear, but was not reflected by an increase in Brazilian, Argentine or Ukrainian maize exports either. The USDA also raised the EU wheat exports despite arguments to the contrary, as this will leave them with only a 26 day stock supply. At the same time, they reduced the EU maize imports by 2.5 million metric tons, prompting someone to remark that the EU will only have some very undernourished pigs and chickens, as this would not appear to be happening elsewhere. So, moving on to barley, domestic consumption remains a challenge to define. With the Prime Minister's latest update suggesting that the UK should not be planning on some holidays just yet, along with the idea that perhaps 70 to 80% of the population needs to be vaccinated before any significant easing of restrictions could occur. So, while crop markets remain all about the execution of current contracts, with new trade limited to covering in any shortfalls where quality issues arise. New crop markets continue to see some interest as hopes return that more normalised social scene will prevail in the future. With snow still on the ground across a number of regions, the next challenge will be the wet conditions in the short term, which will or indeed will not allow us to catch up on groundwork and allow drilling to commence. Oil seed rate markets were all awaiting for the USDA report on Tuesday with adjustments to the US ending stocks along with the South American production numbers that were expected. The USDA amendments fell short of the market expectation, which muted any immediate reaction following the report. However, Wednesday saw a deep retracement of values across the US markets, which filtered through to the Europe, as funds reportedly reduced their long position, as rumours swirled of an increase to the South American production around the market. This then prompted a sell-off. Closer to home, domestic values have been supported from both Motif and the cash market's basis liquidity. This remains for physical seed. Crushed margins remain supportive as rapeseed oil sees renewed interest due to the lack of cooking oil making its way into the EU, interestingly caused by a flow of containers, pushing users back to the rapeseed market. The China Lunar New Year started on Friday, which will run for 10 days, which could subdue some Chinese activity. So looking at feed wheat this week, prices February 200 to 202, March 201 to 203, May 203 to 204, November new crop 162 to 164, The milling wheat premiums have come back and are currently at 15 to 18 pounds. Oil seed rate for February is 378 to 380, which remains the same price all the way through to May. November new crop is 348 to 350 feed barley similar to all seed rape February 158 to 160 which remains all the way through to the end of May new crop November 140 to 142 and malting barley premiums are 10 pounds for both a 185 and a 165 due to the reduced consumption from the malster
0: kit thank you that's kit dickinson from openfield the farming programme 5 day forecast Well, a typical February week by the looks of it. Plenty of rain, some blustery conditions, not much sun, but a little bit warmer than last week. Southerly winds today and tomorrow, gusting to the mid-40s MPH today and some rain this afternoon, highs of two degrees. Monday sees the wind ease away, mostly dry, but misty, cloudy all day, highs of six Celsius later tomorrow. Tuesday sees the wind veer a little bit to southwesterly and pick up to the mid-teens, rain through the day, highs of eight Celsius. Much the same for Wednesday, although brighter and slightly warmer. Southerly winds for the end of the week in the mid-teens MPH, mostly dry with highs up to 10 Celsius by the end of the week. Not too much frost overnight after midweek. Well, that's it for this week. Apart from to say congratulations to Tim Russon from Lincolnshire Business, P. Russon & Sons, who've won Farmers Weekly Contractor of the Year at last week's online awards. Congratulations to you and to all the winners. I'm Steve Orchard, back same time next Sunday with The Week in Agriculture. Until then, stay safe, stay positive and have a good farming week.